After the flood, Noah and all the ark's human and animal passengers disembarked. Then God made a covenant with Noah. Then, as the historical account reads, God provided a sign for his covenant with Noah's family and all living creatures. The Rainbow Let's read Genesis 9.12-17. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Coming from the sun shining through the dark clouds, the rainbow symbolized the heavenly pervading the earthly. And as it spans the horizon, it reminds man that God's covenant is universal, as was the flood that will never recur. Although the rainbow is a spectacular sight for man, the assurance we have that there will never be another global flood comes from God. He is the one who will remember his covenant. Note that God remembering doesn't mean he had previously forgotten. Rather, it is an idiom meaning that the rainbow would signify that he is acting again on behalf of the covenant beneficiaries, ensuring that no subsequent flood would become global. Rainbows, the Flood, and the Covenant Written by Dr. Jonathan Sarfati The Noahic Covenant was certainly the first mention of the rainbow, but the Bible is silent on whether they had previously occurred. However, there are some considerations that suggest that there would have been rainbows, which will be addressed in turn. The science of the rainbow, the natural laws that operated before and after the flood, and God's sovereign authority to ordain meanings to phenomena. Rainbows are the result of well-known physics. When light enters at an angle into a substance where it travels more slowly, like a prism, different wavelengths are bent differently. This effect is called dispersion. Since color depends on wavelengths, we see this as a band of different colors. The shorter wavelengths, violet and blue, are bent the most. The longer wavelengths, red and orange, are bent the least. The great creationist physicist, Sir Isaac Newton, experimented on dispersion by glass prisms. His experiments demonstrated that color is a property of the light itself. Colored objects don't generate color. They absorb or reflect light that is already colored. Actually, the dispersion is continuous. We see colored bands because of the design of our color vision. Newton designated seven colors of the rainbow by analogy with the seven notes of the musical scale. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Hence the mnemonic initialism Roy G. Biv. But there are different designations and numbers of colors. For example, I don't see indigo, but sometimes see a small band of blue-green also called aqua, cyan, or turquoise. Actually, the difference might be with the names we give colors. One author suggests, A careful reading of Newton's work indicates that the color he called indigo, we would normally call blue, 
is blue is then what we would name blue-green or cyan. Also, dispersion can be produced from water drops, including rain. The drops also reflect the light, so we normally see rainbows only if we are between the sun and the raindrops. The reflection also explains why the sequence seems reversed, violet on the inside and red on the outside. Yet we can also see smaller rainbows with mist and sea spray. God mainly used natural causes in the preservation of Noah and the animals. For example, Noah had to build a wooden ark, the cause and rise of the flood, fountains of the great deep plus 40 days of rain, and its abasement, a wind and continents rising and ocean basin sinking. This suggests a continuity between natural laws before and after the flood. There is simply no evidence from biblical text that the natural laws functioned so differently that dispersion of light would not have occurred before the flood. Rather, what the text does say suggests that there was no difference in the natural laws. Also, natural laws are our description of God's normal, repeatable ways of unfolding his creation, while miracles are his extraordinary means. So if rainbows were not produced, we would need to deduce that God was actively preventing dispersion. There is not the slightest evidence in the text for this. John Calvin, commenting on, I have set my bow in the cloud, said the following, From these words, certain eminent theologians have been induced to deny that there was any rainbow before the deluge, which is frivolous. For the words of Moses do not signify that a bow was then formed which did not previously exist, but that a mark was engraven upon it, which would give a sign of the divine favor towards men. Hence, it is not for us to contend with philosophers respecting the rainbow, for although its colors are the effect of natural causes, yet they act profanely who attempt to deprive God of the right and authority which he has over his creatures. There are other examples of existing materials or practices that God decreed to be a new sign. For example, Jesus ordained the Lord's Supper out of bread and wine, He declared that this was now to be a memorial to his sacrifice of his body and blood. Genesis 2 verses 5 and 6 refers to a time when God had not yet caused it to rain on the earth, and a mist watered the ground. But this was also before there were people in verse 5. The Bible does not say that this no-rain condition in creation week persisted for the next 16 centuries till the flood. The idea has a superficial attraction. The rejection of Noah's warning is supposedly more likely if the flood's rain was a novelty. And many people think that rainbows need rain and had their first-time appearance at the flood. On both counts, not necessarily so. And with ongoing evaporation from all the Earth's water bodies, the formation of clouds and thus eventually rain would in any case seem certain. Hey listener, while you're studying the early chapters of Genesis, have you felt like you're not learning as much as you might if you had a written commentary? As amazing and meaningful as the book of Genesis is, I want to learn everything I can from the theology and history that started, well, everything in life. But as many of the details in the book of Genesis relate to science, it would be great if it was also a scientific commentary. That's why I recommend you get a copy of the great book by Dr. Jonathan Sarfati, The Genesis Account. 
This modern classic commentary on Genesis 1 through 11 contains a thorough analysis of the text itself and has a number of features that set it apart from many other Genesis commentaries. It defends the biblical creationist position. Creation in six consecutive normal days, death resulting from Adam's fall, and a globe-covering flood, and confusion of languages at Babel, and in the process it explains how the rest of the Bible interprets Genesis in a straightforward manner. While skillfully documenting how interpreters throughout church history have taught the topics of the book of Genesis, and that long-age death before sin views were a reaction to 19th century uniformitarian geology, it also provides cutting-edge scientific support for Genesis history. But most importantly, it demonstrates that all doctrines of Christianity begin in Genesis 1-11, through so it straightforwardly answers the commonest objections to a plain understanding of these crucial Genesis texts. You'll find your copy of the Genesis account at creation.com slash store. I am Joseph Darnell. From all of us this side of the rainbow, thanks for listening.